0: Hello, I'm Kathy.
1: And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk.
0: Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane
1: and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God,
0: would you? Holiday season is upon us. (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
1: Fun time of year.
0: The season for celebrating God's spring holy days. Many of you in our audience probably know of Passover, and a number of you may have participated in a Passover celebration or a Passover Seder, as it's known in Hebrew. That word Seder meaning order, as in an order of events. Some of you may have attended a Jewish Passover celebration, and some of you may have attended a Messianic Passover celebration, one that celebrates Jesus as the Passover lamb. Gary and I, we've been celebrating past Passover for over 20, over 20 over. years oh,
1: <laughs> I think it's even longer. Yeah.
0: And, and I'm always amazed at the new levels of understanding and meaning and significance that I still uncover each year as I celebrate God's holy day. Today we want to talk about the patterns of Passover that were established thousands of years ago and carried through even to our day and into the future. We'll be looking at ancient Jewish history and biblical prophecy being fulfilled in our day and prophecy yet to be fulfilled. After this message, let's talk Passover and let's talk Torah.
2: Long ago, God declared His redemptive plans for the world He created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now. As the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts, which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind and the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past, and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit toratalk 21com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts.
0: Welcome everybody. Good to have you back for the holiday season.
1: <laughs> a good time. It's a, you know I always look forward to to that that uh, new moon sighting this time of year the real celebration of the first month
0: uh, the exactly. uh, new year yeah, the new exciting. year and the new month and you know some of our audience may or may not be known, might not know what we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> so you know let's begin with that because the Bible actually uh, tells us we're going to talk all today about past. But it actually starts by kind of telling us, when are we supposed to celebrate this holiday? And in Exodus 12, it says that the month that we celebrate Passover is the month that shall be the beginning of months for you. So what it's telling me is that the month in which we celebrate Passover is the head of the year, the beginning of the year. It's the uh, new year. Yes, it's the new year. It's, the it's not biblical. January.
1: Exactly. It's the biblical new year. I know we live in such a secular world, and and so many traditions that have gone for for so long that it's lost in this. In, this, in the scripture describes very clearly. God said this would be the first month of the year for you.
0: And I remember, obviously, for years I've read through that, never saw mm-hmm. it until I saw it.
1: Until you saw and it, and right. then you
0: can't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) You know, it describes that uh, season of Passover, when we're supposed to celebrate it, how would those ancient Israelites have known to do it? And God gave them a way to do it. They were an agricultural society. Um, They would celebrate when the barley was aviv, which Mm. means green. That's right. Okay, so they still, to this day, there are people who look at the barley and see when the first heads of barley are green, Mm. and they know that that moon the new moon that yes. comes uh, uh, if that is the first month of the year and then we're going to talk about how we celebrate passover on the mm-hmm. evening of the 14th day of aviv right right
1: right it was set up so beautifully kathy i you know and god in his wisdom uh knows that a 10 year old child could walk out into the field and see that the barley was in Aviv, that it was, it was green and it was blossoming. And once that when the winter had passed, they go out to the fields, they're searching and searching, finally they see that barley in that condition of Eve, and then they wait for the next new moon. That's, like I said, a 10-year-old child could do it, even younger. That that was a, a process of an agricultural society could identify when that month uh, you know, was to occur.
0: Are you saying we didn't need an iPhone to do that? <laughs> <laughs> a computer? Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, they, they were able to do it. how about that they they actually survived without all that modern tech and (laughs) and so that would that would start the count that moon would come and that would start day one and then they would count to the day 10 and that's when they were instructed to go and and select and the lamb. Select
0: the lamb, and yes. and then that begins the whole, the the series of the annual holidays. That's Passover correct. being the yeah. very first one, uh, that and these annual holidays kind of set in motion this critical pattern. Yes. Okay. Uh, that that will be repeated throughout God's plan of redemption for mankind, and kind of illustrating God's plan of redemption. So what I'd like for Gary to do, just very briefly, uh, for those who. Might Might be new to this concept. Mm. You know, what are you talking about? These uh, biblical holidays, Mm -hmm. what are they? Uh, can you give us just a brief rundown of these, and then we'll we'll spend a lot of time on Passover
1: tonight. Okay, sure. Um, th- for a good review or a summary of of the seven annual feasts, one can just turn to Leviticus chapter twenty three. But we're, we're because we're going to concentrate on Passover, we'll start with this narrative that begins in Exodus chapter twelve, mm-hmm. where God uh, tells the tells the Israelites that this will be the first of the month, a uh, first month of the year, I should say. And then that new moon, you count down to 10 days. At the 10th day, select the lamb. And then at the 14th day, after inspecting this lamb for blemishes for for four days, on the 14th of that month, then they would slaughter the lamb. This is the instruction. Again, we read this in Exodus chapter 12 of the first Passover, but this was set up as a memorial forever. And then so from the 14th that evening would start at sundown, would begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread.
0: And that's so, important to remember because you said at evening, start at sundown, the new day begins. The new day, that's the Hebrew, Hebrew. I'm glad
1: you yeah, checked me on all these yeah, things so, that we might take for granted now because we talk about the, this. But for you who are not familiar with this, the the Hebrew day begins as the biblical day would begin at the at evening, at right. sundown. So, on the fourteenth, the lambs are slaughtered, and then that evening would begin the fifteenth, and we're told that they would to eat un- nothing but unleavened bread for seven days. That would so now there's two feasts in quick succession, you have Passover, unleavened bread, and within the middle of unleavened bread, would always be there. There would have to be because it's seven days. It would have to be somewhere in unleavened bread, a weekly Sabbath, and after that, that weekly Sabbath, the day after the weekly Sabbath was first fruits. That's the third biblical feast that wham, we come wham, to. Wham, 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 wham. All, all all together. within that 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 week's time period or eight-day period. You have all of this happening. So, um, th- those are the first three feasts of the spring. And, and we-, we believe that uh, this Passover narrative uh, really points forward to Yeshua uh, fulfilling these. Now, do you want me to go on and just list the other feasts oh, or just I think stop you should, right there? Just very quickly. Okay, yes, very we quickly. Should. We go from, from first fruits, the next feast is Shavuot. Uh, many people know it as the, the Feast of Weeks, or in the church, many call it Pentecost. But that comes 15. 15- Fifty days after first fruits, uh, we'll, we're going to go briefly here. We're not going to get into all the details on these, but then from there we have the long summer gap. There's no no annual feasts in the hot summer, but we get to the fall, and then we see the fea- the fall feasts begin. They begin with Yom Hatruah, which is a day of shouting or the blast, a noise. The Jewish world, and we covered this in one of our other podcasts, have have dubbed this. Rosh Hashanah, uh, head of the year, but as for obvious reasons we just spoke of, we don't believe that uh, head of the year is appropriate for uh, this this feast. The biblical name is Yom HaTruah. It's a it's a blast, uh, uh, making a noise, often a shofar blast. Then uh, from there we have uh, Yom, uh, Yom Kippur. Uh, once again, you have the first day. Of the month of Tishri is Yom Truah. Then on the 10th day is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And then on the 14th day of that month, we have Sukkot or the uh, Feast of Tabernacles the 15th, 15th day, day 15th, 15th day yes 15th day 14
0: is passover Okay 15th okay is thank you for yes. thank you for <laughs> catching that yes. okay
1: so but the pattern is very similar yeah, okay. very yes, because I never yeah, I was just thinking day. about that as yeah. you were saying yeah, it yeah the pattern is very it similar is in very the fall similar. and we have sukkot or feast of tabernacles Wow. so those are the seven annual feasts and don't forget the Sabbath is your weekly feast.
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. And 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 um, we have come to believe that, you know, Yeshua fulfilled these first three spring feasts in his first coming. And yes. of course, at Pentecost, we had what happened with the, the, the Holy Spirit his coming. Spirit, yes, and support, then yeah. we we firmly believe that at his second coming, he will fulfill the last three feasts. Yes. So it's critical as believers to know and understand the patterns of these feasts as we look forward to the return mm-hmm. of Yeshua. That's yeah. It gives us it gives us hints and clues about that. Yeah. So it's all it's
1: also critical to understand that these are the biblical, God-given feasts, yes. not man-made exactly, feasts. Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yes. So this episode, we're gonna focus on Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, and mostly Passover. Um, lots of times these all get rolled together, just like you, you know, they all happen within the same week. So in Judaism, the whole week is often just called Passover. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rather than calling it three separate holidays, they They kind of all bunch it together. Um, They are described, uh, these holidays are described in Leviticus 23, Numbers 28, Deuteronomy 16. They do tell us that three of those holidays that Gary just talked about are what are called pilgrimage holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, So unleavened bread, Shavuot, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, All of the men were required to go to Jerusalem and they brought their families. So it was a big family Mm -hmm. event three times a year. Uh, they would all head up to the temple. Um, but if we go back to the first Passover story, that happened back in Egypt when, um, the, when the Israelites were enslaved, enslaved in Egypt. And that story is told in quite a bit of detail in Exodus 1 through 13, most mm-hmm. of it being in Exodus 12, but the buildup. Right, um, being uh, in one one through twelve, and once again for th- those in the audience who may not know the story we're talking about, or maybe they haven't seen the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> if I say watch the Ten Commandments or this is the story of the Ten Commandments, many of you may know what oh, we're talking yeah. <laughs> about, right? <laughs> We've seen that, yeah. <laughs> but if you have not, right? What is the story?
1: Well, you know that's good because uh, honestly, Kathy, I, I have talked to Christians who have been believers for many, many years, and they're not familiar with the Old, as they call it, Old Testament, what we call the Tanakh or the Torah. Uh, So um, it is good, I think, to review. And in this case, what we have is uh, God made a promise to Abraham Isaac and Jacob that the land of Israel would be there the land of the of Cana would be theirs one day but before that was fulfilled we have Jacob uh, living in the land of Canaan with his with his sons and there is a famine in the land and the uh, you, if if they're familiar with the story, you know that Joseph was sold into slavery. He was one of those sons, and he had gone before them and had be, had been elevated to second in command of all of Egypt under Pharaoh. Which again is a is a beautiful story. If you're not familiar with it, you really should read that story. And it's a beautiful story of restoration with his family. But because Joseph had stored food. The brothers go down to Egypt and find this out. They find out that Joseph is still alive. They go back to Jacob and say, you know, we found our brother and we found food. Right. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they all decide to go to Egypt for their survival. So they go to Egypt as a family. And as I always say, they were incubated in Egypt and they come out as a nation. The exodus happens because a pharaoh uh, appears, you know, generations past, who did not know Joseph, who begins to oppress the Israelites. They become slaves. Their, their cry is heard by God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. hears their cry and he sends them Moses as a deliverer as a form of messiah and and Moses partners with god as we like to say Ooh, yeah. and and he helps them uh, and we, we have the exodus story the great the the outstretched arm the mighty hand with miracles signs and wonders plagues uh, you know the whole beautiful story the whole shebang, the whole shebang. <laughs> we see them escape egypt uh, through the red sea and head toward the mount mount sinai to where they would receive the torah So there's the review.
0: There's the review. You know, Exodus 12 um, gives us in detail uh, so the detail of particularly the final evening and the last plague and uh, how God told uh, gave the details to the Israelites of what they were to do and mm-hmm. selecting that lamb and putting his blood over the doorpost. And uh, some of that is in, uh, like I said, it's most of that's in Exodus 12. So let's just take a second here and let's just hear God's word, okay um, uh, straight out of Exodus 12.
3: I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you leave. After midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But not even a dog's growl will be heard against any of the people of Israel, neither against people nor against animals. On the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one per household. Your animal must be without defect, a male in its first year. You are to keep it until the fourteenth day of the month, and then the entire assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter it at dusk. Then you are to take some of the blood and smear it on the two sides and top of the door frame at the entrance of the house in which they eat it. For that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and animals. The blood will serve you as a sign, marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you.
0: It's always great to hear straight from the word, right? Yeah. Oh, it's,
1: it's, you cannot have it enough. Exactly. You know, whenever there's questions about anything, go to the word. Exactly.
0: You know, there were, there are so many patterns that were established in the original Passover story Mm -hmm. that show up again in the story of Yeshua and his death, burial, and resurrections. And you know what? these patterns also show up again in what many people call the end times, whether we're here and now, I think Mm -hmm. we are. Um, So, um, so these patterns are important. It's not just something that happened in the past. It matters to us now. Now in the Exodus story, um, as we heard, God tells the Israelites to take a lamb on the 10th day, the month of Aviv, Mm -hmm. and bring it to their homes for four days before slaughtering it. So they did. And at that time, they would take it to inspect it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, see it if it to be was without perfect, blemish. without yes. blemish. Yes. So it takes a while to kind of figure that out mm. so that they 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 would uh, look at this lamb and, and, and check this lamb and make sure that it was perfect or without blemish. You know, if you fast forward to the days of Yeshua, when the temple was there in Israel, um uh, still, same thing was happening in temple times. On Aviv 10, uh, four days before the Passover, um, they, would, they would take their lambs. And in fact, there was always a Passover lamb chosen for the nation of Israel, mm. that the priest, the high priest would select the lamb. During the next four days, the lamb was thoroughly inspected for blemishes, defects, anything that would disqualify him, okay, from being an acceptable sacrifice. And at the end of the inspection period, assuming everything was okay, the high priest would publicly declare, behold the lamb, I find no fault in him. Mm. Now, as Christians, wow. that sounds kind yeah. of familiar to it us, should. doesn't
1: it? It really should. <laughs> you know, yeah, Yeshua, Yeshua comes in on the tenth day. Again, you know, because of our celebrations, we call Palm Sunday. We kind of miss the significance of the the reason why he came in on that particular day. It was the tenth day of Aviv, exactly. when the pattern, lambs. Pattern. Yeah, pattern. <laughs> there you go. You know, note these patterns. That when the lambs were being brought in to be inspected, so was Yeshua coming into Jerusalem. And what did They do. They were inspecting him. They were questioning him. They were trying to find fault in him. And they put to the point where they had to make things up because they could find none. And even Pilate said, I can find no fault in him.
0: So Yeshua was that perfect spotless Passover lamb. Okay, Mm -hmm. exactly what they were looking for back in Egypt, too. You know, I I always laugh because in the in the narrative in the Bible, it says you can choose a lamb or a goat. Mm. And It just doesn't sound the same to say the the goat of God. (laughs) Have you ever heard anybody say that? Everybody would laugh, but technically a goat would work. It would work. And and I always tell this story about the year that we were doing a Passover teaching, and we got a goat from the sheriff's farm because they didn't have a lamb. And um, goats are messy. (laughs) I can tell you that. So we bring him, and we have this whole show that we're putting on, and we we bring the live goat up there, and then we take him behind stage because he's supposed to depict that he's being slaughtered. that goat was so loud It bleated up, and bleated and bleated <laughs> and the whole audience is just cracking up because we're going forward with putting the blood on the, the door frames the very and everything moment. and that, yes. do- that, that goat's not having any of it <laughs> oh
1: my goodness you know well you know what well, you could think of it this way goat is an acronym for greatest of all time that's so, exactly you know. <laughs> so there
0: you go so the, the goat of god yeah um the, the, the Exodus 12 tells us that the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it at twilight. Mm. And that's an interesting concept because really everybody's got skin in the game, so to speak. Sure. Okay. They, everybody was responsible for this. Um, and they were to take the blood and put it on the door frames of their homes. And, it, and the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague mm. shall not be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the eye is God. Mm. It's not an angel a right. death angel or anything like that. The eye is God. OK, so he's the one that as simultaneously as he um, uh, destroys basically Egypt, he saves and redeems mm, Israel Yeah. at the same time. That's actually a pattern, too, for end times. Yeah, happens.
1: it is. And it is the fact that, you know, the destruction of slavery, we, we have the, the destruction of us, our, us being slaves to sin, exactly. slave to the penalty. Uh, that sin brings exactly, about. The death. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We're
0: going to talk about that a little <laughs> bit. You know, the, the lamb is known in Hebrew as the Zevach Pesach. I'm sure I'm not saying exactly right. But the Zevach is the word sacrifice, and Pesach mm. is protective. That's the word that the Hebrew word for Passover. Right. Okay. So a protective sacrifice. Mm. Okay. So it's the blood of the Zevach Pesach that is protective. Who is protected? In the narrative, we are told that it was the firstborn that were protected. Those were the ones that were gonna mm-hmm. die. And if you've watched uh, the Ten Commandments, you mm-hmm. see that even the firstborn of Pharaoh right. died, okay? All the firstborn died. So the blood over the doorpost protected the firstborn within that household, mm-hmm. okay? And that concept of firstborn, you know, we don't talk about it much as Christians. No, I, it, it's true. It, we don't. But it's actually all throughout God's word. Um, it doesn't always just mean the literal firstborn. In fact, often it doesn't mean right. that, okay? Um, but in Exodus 12, Israel is called God's firstborn, Christ is referred to as God's firstborn. Mm-hmm. Paul calls believers in Yeshua the church of the firstborn in Hebrews 12, 23. So that concept of firstborn kind of carries through. And it's it's an interesting one to spend more time with. But we won't spend that time right now. (laughs) Don't have it today. (laughs) So what did the blood protect the firstborn from? You just said it. Yeah, the penalty of death. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it pl- applied to the door frame um, the blood of the lamb protected them from death mm. fast forward to the concept the pattern for Yeshua it's yeshua's blood on the cross that protects us from eternal death
1: eternal death yeah the, the penalty spiritual for our death. sin yes yeah, yeah the spiritual death all men will die but the eternal uh salvation uh, of our souls is is been has been spared by by his blood, yes.
0: So the pe- the Pesach, Zeva Pesach, uh, that sacrifice is not a really a sin sacrifice per se. The purpose of that sacrifice is overcoming death, mm-hmm. not forgiveness of sin. Okay, right. because um, that like even back in the in Egypt, there was no discussion of the Israelites having being sinful. Okay, right. It was a protection from death. Right. Okay, so. Paul refers to, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, as Yeshua, as our Passover lamb. So that verifies what we were just saying, is that his death, his death, his blood keeps us from eternal death Mm. as the... Passover exactly. lamb.
1: John Yochanan, the the immerser said, you know, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the exactly. world. Exactly. And, and literally, you know, the penalty. The uh, penalty, a penalty of, the of sin. sin. Yeah.
0: And, and and we know that penalty when we connect his death with the Passover. Yes. Okay. We lose it if we don't connect back with the Passover. Sure. Uh, and that death of the firstborn, um, that kind of protection. So those things are important. You know, Exodus uh, 12 uh, talks about how the uh, lamb was to have no broken bones. Mm -hmm. Well, all Christians know that when Jesus died on the cross, they would often go to those who were crucified and break their legs so that they would suffocate. Okay, they couldn't push themselves up to breathe anymore. But when they got to to Yeshua, he was already dead. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to break his legs. Once again, connecting back if,
1: if you don't know this the, the significance of that most people when you read that okay so what they didn't break his bones but in order yes. to be this perfect pattern of the passover lamb we see why that God had him they spared the fact that he, he, he it's didn't his amazing
0: when you look at the patterns when you look at what was established in passover and we miss it in mm-hmm. the more typical um, Easter story, those details right. are not there. It's not that nothing's there. Okay, there's there's something there. There's you know, Jesus' something death, burial, yeah, and resurrection, but we miss so much, and we miss how phenomenal our God is yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> in
1: yeah. his patterns to set this up that many years prior yes. you know, 1500 yes. years and prior. he set
0: it up the whole point for them setting up these feast days and to celebrate them every single year was so that they would recognize these things when they did come to pass and many many people did mm-hmm. not everybody Right. But many people did and saw. Whoa, there's the Passover lamb thing going right. on. Eventually, they got that because they had been doing these things. They had been
1: Yeah, initially, you know, obviously, this was all a surprise what Yeshua right. was going to do, but later they could see, could look back and see how he perfectly fulfilled. And that's. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's important to always remember. That the initial movement that we know today as, as Christianity was started, was all Jewish. It was a sect of Judaism. And the reason for that was there had to be a people prepared to recognize the Messiah and recognize this, this connection. This was what God wanted for, for the world so that they would keep it going. It wouldn't die with him at, when he when he ascended. You know, he he. Those rose
0: pagans in, weren't looking for the no. The, pagan, pagan the pagans the pagans were gonna
1: keep this going. They no. would have. They would have. I mean, not not one of the disciples uh, ever retracted anything or went to their deaths uh, confessing that this was the a fact that, that that this was this was the truth. And so they needed that kind of dedication. This kind of understanding. And uh, the movement needed this in order for to, to it to last 2,000 years. years.
0: That, yes, and year, it needed years and years of teaching this yes. for that to be established.
1: Even though Satan's done his best to try to destroy it, there's you and I are still sitting here talking exactly. about it. Exactly, yes, yeah.
0: yes. Um, it is said that the lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And uh, those of you who know Passover, we're going to be talking in just a minute about unleavened bread and what that the significance of that is. And, of course, the bitter herbs. The Bible tells us what that is. That's the representation of the bitterness of slavery. Mm. And Gary, you mentioned earlier that would be the slavery to Pharaoh or the... Slavery to sin. Right. That is like this big overall pattern mm-hmm. between these these two Passover experiences. The first one, the Israelites were enslaved by a cruel Pharaoh. Moses, as kind of a type of deliverer, mm-hmm. comes as and rescues them, leads them from slavery or bondage. Uh, Egypt, um, Hebrew Mitzrayim means bondage. He leads them through the wilderness mm-hmm. into the promised land. They don't immediately enter the promised land. We'll talk about that in another (laughs) podcast. True. Um, And the same thing is true with Yeshua's Passover. We're in bondage to sin, and we have a deliverer, Yeshua. He sets us free from that, and we are currently wandering through a wilderness on our way to a promised land.
1: Amen. And, you know, you think about the pattern of, you know, Pharaoh held life and death sway over the uh, the israelites the romans held life and death sway over the over the israelites during yeshua's time and yet yeshua showed that he conquered death That's right. and uh, i think that was what he was trying to con- convey to nicodemus when he says you know the uh, uh, the son of man will be lifted up like the serpent was lifted up in the desert so will the son of man be lifted up uh, you know draw a man to him i believe that 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 had to that was a sim, symbol of his victory over death
0: yes once again yeah. have to look back into mm-hmm. uh the the older testament yes. okay the the torah to to even see that connection
3: right you know right. you got to look back yes
0: you know there is also I've i've talked about this the future passover that we we're, we're looking forward to and that one is that is referred to and Christians know it as the marriage supper of the lamb mm. um these three suppers are all connected okay yeah. the the originals uh, passover the yeshua what happened with yeshua and we're going to talk a little bit more about that and what he did uh before his death and then this marriage supper of the lamb which is in revelation 199 now you know God's timing is impeccable. Yes, it is. And I think of all the things I've ever learned, I think learning about the impeccable timing has probably had more impact on me than any of my other Hebraic understandings. Mm. The timing just floors me.
1: Because it's so Him. I mean, you see Him in in it all.
0: All of it, once you understand that timing and what it is. Now... I confess, I, I, I have to make a confession. You know, as I started learning my Hebraic roots, one of the first things you do when you, you study the Hebraic roots is you learn Jesus as your Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. But often you, you learn that his final meal he was eating was a Passover meal. Mm-hmm. And it took me several years, even of teaching, before it dawned on me, and Gary, it dawned on me in between shows we were doing passover (laughs) shows at a church and in between the first and the second show i was like oh my goodness the pass he was not eating the passover meal and it freaked me out at the time i was like ah what do we do um because it dawned on me then yeshua couldn't have been eating the passover meal if he was the Passover lamb.
1: Right. Going, going back to that timing issue that he had, to be, he had to be killed at the same time the lambs were slaughtered. And I had a very similar experience because uh, I think it was in 1992, I attended my first Seder, and that really launched me into this curiosity about my Hebraic roots. And so through the 90s, I was attending a church uh, that we did a, a Seder every year. Um, But did not come to the realization that you just mentioned until after the year 2000 when I was actually pastoring and I went, wait a minute, because I started doing a study of the timeline. And understanding all these these patterns that you and I are talking about today and saying, this this is some and I, you know, Kathy literally stayed up one night till about three or three or four in the morning, going over and over every gospel, every timeline, every book I could find, trying to reconcile. And I said, No, there's no way he could possibly have been having his Seder. So it's had to be something else. And we both came to the same conclusion. It's more important that he was the Passover lamb, than that he was actually keeping a Seder meal. Exactly. I mean, yes,
0: you yes. could not possibly have done both. Right. Okay. And you're right. That realization. Wow. You know, so then you're like, okay, what was this meal that he was eating apparently about 24 hours before, right mm-hmm. before the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been doing some research. There's, there's some different ideas and so forth, but, The one that seems to really make the most sense to me um, was when I found out that there was a traditional meal eaten by the Galilean Jews. And guess what? Jesus was from the Galilee. That's right. It was eaten 24 hours before the Passover meal. And it began, that meal was a meal that started a 24-hour fast Mm. that was broken by the Passover meal. So it was called the fast of the firstborn in remembrance that it was the lives of the firstborn that were protected in Egypt. That makes sense, okay? sure does. And the fast, like I said, was broken at the Passover meal. That, interesting enough, that last meal they had is called a seudah, I'm i sorry, seudah, masfekhet, I'm sure I've butchered that, but... <laughs> um, That means Last Supper. Last Supper.
1: supper. That blew me away when I first read that. those words, those Hebrew words actually mean Last Supper. It really makes the most sense to me of all the theories that I've heard.
0: Yes. And it was a Last Supper that he had before Mm -hmm. this fast. It was not the Passover meal. Okay. He was preparing for the Passover meal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and and that idea of a last supper actually happens in uh, multiple times in the Jewish calendar, um, like right before Yom Kippur, Mm -hmm. that you have your last meal before that, that 24, 25 hour fast, however long. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, so that last supper, the church got that Phraseology quite correct. Yeah. Okay. And it's
1: probably why. Yes, exactly. It was, it was a phrase that existed already in the culture.
0: Yes. So, you know, so Jesus was, I'm going to say, adding something to the celebration of Passover. And he was adding something that would connect him, yes. himself, with the Passover Absolutely. specifically, his specifically, the unleavened bread. He goes, This is my body, the wine, this is my blood. Okay. And he says, A uh, symbol of a new covenant. Uh, we both know that that word harkens back to the Hebrew word, uh, which is uh, Hadashah, where we get Brit Hadashah when we say mm-hmm. new co- the, mm-hmm. the New Testament. But it comes back to Hodesh, which means new moon. It doesn't mean you got a brand new moon up there every single month. You've got a renewed moon. Renewing the It's renewing. Even the Greek word kind. Kainos um, mm. means fresh in the development or opportunity not found exactly like this before. It doesn't mean brand new, never before seen. Right. So. That's just a sidestep, okay, and we talk about you know this new covenant, um, it's a renewing of a covenant that's already been made. with yeah. Israel.
1: Yes, because the first covenant, uh, the, not the not the mosaic, I mean not the uh, Abrahamic covenant, but the covenant God made with Moses in the desert, and we read from Jeremiah 31 that that's the one that's been renewed. That covenant was sprinkled with blood, the blood of animals. and now this covenant. This renewing of the covenant was sprinkled with his his own blood. Yes, yes. That's important to understand too, and you know I think going looking back, the disciples then probably began to formulate or understand this. But Kathy, when you were, you were talking about that, and I'm thinking about our audience, uh, looking at this from of a 21st century eyes, we know Yeshua went to his death the next day. They didn't. The disciples had no idea he was going to die that very next day. I mean, there had been some hints, there had been talk about it, but they, you look for throughout the, the Gospels, the narrative, they did not know for sure. And as you said, when I, I mentioned this to you the other day, Peter even fought. To to save Yeshua that night, yeah, that, that they went to arrest know. him. He they was had, trying
0: to stop that from happening. He had not made a connection yet. Exactly. With
1: that. So they, there's no way that that, that, that when they're t- taking this meal, and he's talking about the Passover, that they make the connection that he was going to become the Paschal Lamb. So when he said, "When you do this in the future, meaning, do this in remembrance of me," so he would, but I personally believe very with all my heart that he was saying, you're going to keep this Seder because it's a, it's a memorial forever. It, forever. It's eternal memorial. You're going to keep this in the future. And you're going to remember Egypt, of course. But from now on, ne- ne- even next year, you're going to do this. You're going to remember me. You're gonna remember what I did for tomorrow
0: you tomorrow night. Actually, yeah, no, maybe, but, maybe I don't know if they quite got it. Well, that I don't
1: think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, we it. don't know what happened because right. they were they were scattered. Right, I don't exactly. even know if they, they were right, able to keep the, meal, the seder that But they night.
0: may have started thinking, "Whoa, what just happened?" What just the night happened before here? And yeah. Then what happened here?
1: Yeah, yeah. But from that, from that point forward, they were going to remember that what he his words. And what he accomplished during the appointed time, the feast season, he, he accomplished something. He added to what God was accomplishing at that appointed time. He
0: made that connection based on the pattern that they had been doing over mm-hmm. and over again. He added a, a totally grand new level of meaning right. and significance. Right. And you're right. They couldn't possibly have known it. At the time, mm-hmm. uh, it would have had to sink in, and this was really his last shot at it. Yeah. Okay, because immediately he's arrested, and mm-hmm. it goes through. You know, very quickly he goes through his his trial and his sentencing, and and, and his they were death. separated. And they were all separated. Yeah. So this was really the last shot he had, mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that they made that connection, yeah. and that he was this Passover lamb who uh, would protect them from death.
1: Right. I'm sure in the 40 days that he spent walking with them after his resurrection, this became apparent. Uh, this yes. became clear, yes. but not at this point in their lives.
0: Right. You know, this last supper, as we've come to know within the Christian church, is intimately associated with the Passover meal. There's just no getting around it. And I think that sometimes that's a little lost in the church, too. We don't mm-hmm. we don't connect it back to the Passover meal. Right. And... um. You know, we've had some discussion a a little bit about, you know, uh, Paul says, whenever you do this, do you know, remember me? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so the church does it regularly and they do remember Yeshua. But do they remember this connection to Passover? I'm thinking maybe not. I'm I'm saying the alternative is what? When they do Passover, remember me.
1: Right. Well, I don't think because I grew up in you know uh, both as a Catholic and then as a as a, uh, a Protestant for ten years prior to this understanding. I never made the connection. I never
0: made that connection
1: until I, until I actually attended a Seder and then it, and then the the light came on. Right.
0: So that last supper intimately associated with Passover. And then I think both intimately associated with this marriage supper of the lamb. Remember, uh, Yeshua said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. This is that reference to this supper. He's going to have in the future, this marriage supper of the lamb. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he kind of makes this connection forward. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, he does, and and they and he mentions, "I won't drink of it again until I drink it with you anew in the kingdom." So you know that's that's an indication that that's where this comes about—the marriage supper of the lamb. So they 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 had no idea when he said it what he meant by that. I'm sure until again after he rose. And,
0: and we still don't have quite an idea what this future thing is going to look sure, like no, either. No, no, yeah. we're, we're,
1: we're looking through a glass darkly. At exactly. That, you, know.
0: you know, the the there are so many patterns in Passover. You know they go through this meal back in Egypt, they put the blood over uh, the door frames, the uh, God passes over them. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, they leave in what has become known as the the Exodus, okay, this narrative of the Exodus of leaving, uh, of leaving Egypt. Mm -hmm. And if within that, we've got patterns.
1: That's right. We, we we have another pattern that that was uh, prophesied to us 2,700 years ago. Uh, so 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 far we've covered the original Passover and Exodus. We covered the you, you, what Yeshua did for us as far as uh, freeing us once again. And both in both cases you have Moses partnering with God, you know, and then Yeshua the Son, his uh, the Son of God partnering with with the Father to get this done. And then we have a case here that Jeremiah speaks of and this passage is probably uh, is familiar with me as you know your your favorite passage of people are perishing because of lack of knowledge. You've probably heard me say this just as many times as you said that one. but it's because of when when this realization hit me, uh, you know it changed my life, of course, and I've dedicated my life to it. But Jeremiah twenty seven hundred years ago, says this in Jeremiah sixteen, starting in verse fourteen. Therefore therefore behold the days are coming says the Lord that it shall no more be said the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt okay there's the reference to the exodus He's, he's saying "Oh, something's going to happen to God's reputation where oh, no longer are we going to be emphasizing or talking about the Egyptian exodus. It, says, it goes on in verse 15, But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their lands which I gave to their fathers. So he, Jeremiah told us there would come a day that that Jewish people from all over the world would be leaving the nations that they're in and coming home to live in the land of Israel. Now that if, if anybody if you're awake at all, look around, that day is today. And it has been going on from, from the from the mid nineteenth uh, century throughout the twentieth century. Uh, when the when the Soviet Union fell, it came you know waves and waves of exodus from the land of the north into the land of Israel. And I always ask the question: Which is the greater miracle, moving the, a group of people from the from Egypt into the land of Canaan? All at one time, or scattering them throughout the the known world, four corners of the world, their nation destroyed for two thousand years, rebirth that nation, and then regather them together. One person, one family, one couple. Kind at time. of like
0: herding cats, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I, to me, it's the greater miracle. But here's this is that opportunity for for us people in our generation, Kathy, to partner with God. Just as Moses did, just as Yeshua did, we have an opportunity to help Jewish people get home during this final exodus.
0: And, you know, we spoke last in our Ukraine episode, we were talking about how this happens, because Jeremiah does tell us that he's going to first send fishermen. It's right there in 16. Yes. And then he's going to send the hunters. Yes. And and I loved how you said... Uh, in that episode, you know, who are the f- most famous fishermen that we know in the Bible? Once again, a pattern. Okay, yeah. the disciples. Absolutely. You know, ab, you, know. you know,
1: Jeremiah had to be using imagery that we would recognize.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then the most famous hunters, uh, not good. We're talking about Nimrod. We're talking about Esau. That's right. Uh, those people who are making God's people's lives miserable.
1: That's right. You know, so, she-
0: so God's going to use both. The yes. fishermen and the hunters to accomplish this second exodus. That's
1: right. One in a very positive light and then the other in a in a form of of push because uh, pushing the Jewish people home because of persecution, because of war, because of financial collapse, uh, and you know all this blame uh, always thrown at the Jewish people, so they're saying, "Okay, we, we see the writing on the wall. We're getting out of here," right. and 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 they go home. So so ex, yeah so verse 16 of Jeremiah 16 speaks of that. Uh, both the, the opportunity for those of us who are, consider ourselves disciples of Yeshua to help, mm-hmm. and then to. Recognize recognize the day that we're living in with the hunters, guys like Putin and guys that we've seen in the past, like Hitler, that that are causing harm to the Jewish people. And we have to be there in order to, to, to help them this time.
0: That's just such a lovely pattern. That pattern, well, you know, is so exciting to me as it is to you because that's just like it gives us the opportunity now to partner in the same way. It, it even sets up the same pattern coming out of Egypt. It was the Egyptians who financed that. Remember, they had that's to right. ask everybody for their gold and silver and jewelry. Yes. Well, you, you fast forward to now, and it's the Gentiles, the Gentiles. that yeah. are supposed to be financing. The wealth of financed. the
1: Gentiles is supposed to be financing. And and Isaiah 49:22 uh, is a call, a beckoning to the nations to the gentiles to say you know it'll be you who carry my my sons in their arms my daughters on their shoulders that you know the only gentiles i know who would be willing to do that uh, i would describe as the grafted in ones yes exactly yeah
0: Yeah. so there again major pattern Mm -hmm. okay set up back then and being fulfilled Going back the other direction, okay, back to Israel. In just in our day, right. so if you don't study from uh, the Torah, from the, the the writings of the prophets and and so forth, you miss so much. It's not that you can't get part of the story; you can, yeah. but you just miss so much. In
1: oh, it. the richness! I think you know, Kathy. We talk about you know that idea of of um, losing our salvation, once saved, always saved, that kind of thing. We we did a whole podcast on that. One of the things that will keep you walking with God are these understandings, this 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 knowledge, this understanding, because it, you because it, it gets in your heart and your mind. It's like it's it's impossible for these things to be coincidence. God is so it's so it's so clear that He is involved and He's in control, and it it should change. It should keep you. Walking with him.
0: I fully, fully agree with that. That is the thing that just excites me and and keeps, will keep me going. And that will keep everybody going once they have this understanding. People who start to have this understanding, this Hebraic understanding, the backgrounds, the patterns. Yeah, You... Your whole life changes. Especially in Does the day your- we're
1: living with, yes. the, with the pressures, uh, you know, the idea of canceling God, canceling yes. Christianity, canceling Jews. I mean, if we don't understand these things, we're going to get swept away.
0: Yes. You know, there are, we, we mentioned that there are two other holidays kind of tied in with Passover and mm-hmm. that, in that, that week time. The, the one that happens right after the evening meal, which occurs on Aviv 14th, mm-hmm. uh, goes into evening. It starts Aviv 15th. That's referred to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And uh, during that feast, we're told that uh, the, the Israelites were told they could not have anything with leaven anywhere in their homes or anywhere else. So there were always elaborate uh, rituals for getting rid of leaven. That mm. still happens in Israel to this day. That's right. Uh, getting rid of leaven. And we're talking about yeast, if you're, you're trying to figure out what this is. In your bread it's the thing that causes the bread to puff up or rise. You like a big fat yeast <laughs> roll, what yeah. we all love, right? <laughs> right? But I love the imagery of puffing up, rising because mm. it, it yeast is always associated has been associated with sin it's it, right. it, particularly in the, the the Brit of and so that puff-up pride, pride idea pride. the number is one perfect. the first sin right right Wow, God, even down to the big fat Mm -hmm. yeast roll, you've got this covered in your imagery. (laughs) You know, but this is actually a chemical reaction. And what's happening is that it changes the nature of the dough, causing a breakdown and a decay.
1: Wow. Sin. It it, is what a perfect picture. Yes.
0: Oh my goodness. There it it is again, Gary. (laughs) No. You know, so when Luke says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, First Corinthians talks about how a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Mm. We know how that is. A little sin gets in there. It affects everything.
1: everything in your entire life. You know,
0: yeah. it's even in that verse in First Corinthians 5, uh, where Paul identifies Christ as the Passover lamb for indeed Christ, our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the, the leaven of malice or mm wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm. Paul was speaking this after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And what's he say? Let's keep this feast, guys. That's right.
1: It, it's an eternal, it's a memorial, memorial for forever. forever.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, so we we know that if sin is wrapped, you know, this malice or wickedness, we know that then the unleavened bread the representation then is that christ was the unleavened bread okay he was without sin we know in isaiah 53 he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his Mm -hmm. mouth Uh, second corinthians he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god and here's a really interesting one i just mentioned decay you know yeshua's body did not decay All right. We know that. Okay, it was resurrected again on the Mm -hmm. third day. Psalm 1610 says, for you will not leave my soul in the grave, nor will you allow your holy one to see decay.
1: Isn't that beautiful?
0: We will not allow that Mm. breakdown uh, and decay thing that happens with the yeast. That's just not happening. So when he
1: said he was the bread of life. He meant the unleavened bread of life. He had no yes. sin and and no decay, and it yes. was it's life yes. to all of us. Yes, yeah.
0: definitely. You know, we um, I I to talk about this I, this next holiday of first fruits, which Gary you said uh, to, told the audience happens after the uh, weekly Sabbath that yes. occurs during the, during the week of bread. Passover. Yeah. and I, I want to sometime in the future do a more detailed um, breakdown of this timeline, because it's really very important. Yeah, I
1: I Uh, love the timeline. And I
0: love the timeline, but we won't have time to do it here. Um, But... In Leviticus 23, it says, uh, God said to the Israelites, say, when you enter the land, I'm going to give you and reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. And he's to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on your behalf. behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, this is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come wherever you live. So they would do it when they entered the land they couldn't do it before it because they had to have a harvest. They didn't have a harvest out in the wilderness, okay? Mm. Um, the 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 harvest that we're talking about is the barley harvest, okay, in Israel, and it it is actually when you pick the green uh, uh, har- barley, and you're talking about a really a pre-harvest holiday, a pre-harvest festival. All of us have gone to a harvest festival, yeah. you know, but this is a a pre-harvest uh, festival. Um, the barley's planted in the winter. The roots grow deep, and it absorbs lots and lots of nutrients. And um, when it's picked um, and waved before God, it's 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 like saying, God, we are trusting that. In a few weeks, we are going to have a full harvest of of this very thing that we've just picked and weighed before you. And it says, will it be acceptable to God? Mm. Okay, so um, the imagery that we have here, because the Bible often uses the imagery of a sheaf uh, to represent a person, think about Joseph, he right. came, your sheaves will bow down to mine, right? right? Okay. right, yes. um, We're talking about Christ here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Now Christ is risen from the dead to be the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Yes. The first fruits of the harvest of the resurrection.
1: Exactly. For all those who, and all of us in our, to- our time will come after. Yes.
0: If. If he is accepted by God, yes. which he was. Which
1: obviously he was. That's yes. right. So you was. had to he have that
0: perfect barley held up mm-hmm. to be accepted by God. And that's now why we can count on the fact that we too will be part of that future that's harvest right. or that's re- right. resurrection. And so
1: look at that beautiful fulfillment of those first three spring feasts there where he, he uh, be, the Paschal lamb, unleavened bread of life, and our first fruit offering.
0: I learned one year uh, that barley, um, when barley leaves are 12 to 14 inches high, when they were still green, okay, this is Aviv, mm-hmm. okay, this one is Aviv, they contain all the vitamins, minerals, and proteins necessary for the human diet. Hmm. What a perfect symbol for for Yeshua.
1: What detail! I mean, when you think about, the,
0: I just yeah, yeah yeah I just made this face to Gary. You guys, you don't get to see it. I'm just like, <laughs> really. I mean, really, this is amazing. Oh I'm God. just floored. Oh I, I'm, I'm floored by it every single time. Yeah. Even in that minute detail. Yeah. Take barley over something else, you know, not not an apple or whatever, you know.
1: (laughs) It it, it, only God, and this is what I said earlier about you. It will keep you, if you when you see these details, these every every minute detail that God took to show us His involvement in this plan. um, It it should blow each and every one away, like it does. That's why each time you you read it, you think about my goodness, Mm -hmm. only. God.
0: Only God. You know, um, we talked about the feast being mentioned in Leviticus 23, and that is where you would go in the middle of the book of Leviticus, which many people don't go there, and you find that the feast of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh talked about the feast of Yehovah. Um, they're, they're described as being holy convocations, which you are to proclaim at their appointed time. I love the concept of proclaiming them. Yes. Shout it out, man. Yeah. Get it out there. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: why I love this platform. We get to do that.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and the appointed time, the Hebrew mm-hmm. word moedim. Yes. You know, um, the moedim, a moed, is an appointment. God set up appointments with him for us. And for thousands of years, the Christian church has missed, missed every one the of these appointments. Yeah. God is waiting there, yeah. knocking, standing at the door. Mm-hmm. And we have failed to open the door and say, come on in. Let's spend some time together. Yes. And And instead, we've kind of said, hey, we've got our own schedule. Can you come on over mm-hmm. on this day at this time? I'm a little bit busy. I got an hour here, you That's know, a few sad. minutes there. Would we
1: really ever do that to God? If Would we, we were? ever do that? We don't. We, we, most people wouldn't do that to their doctor, or That's their right. lawyer, or, you know, of keeping an appointment, and yet we do it to God. We
0: do it to God. Mm. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Think about
1: that. yes. Yeah.
0: You know, um, also Leviticus 23, as you read through the feast, at least four times, it says that these feasts should be kept throughout your generations, a statute forever uh, in all your dwellings. Hey, man, what does forever mean?
1: <laughs> in my book, forever. It means forever. I mean, <laughs> and come you on. You look up the Hebrew words there and they mean forever. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't
0: mean, okay, till Yeshua came and, right. and, and died on the cross and rose again. It means forever. Right. That's not so complicated. No. You know, there's this beautiful line in Exodus twelve twenty five uh, that says it will come to pass when you come to the land, which the Lord will give you just as he promised that you will, that, that he would. And you keep this service and this service is Passover. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service that you shall say? It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. Mm. In most Passover seders, there's a question assigned to the youngest in the family. And that question is, why is this night different from all other nights? If right, you have been to a seder? You, you've heard yeah. this. And it's, it's one of the highlights. It's of a beautiful, seder. Yes, a beautiful yes. question. Then the adults proceed to tell the Passover story. In this passing down of the story is critical. We must tell our children what God has done for us, done for his people in the past. It's what, like you said, it gives us hope. It helps us remember that God in, is faithful. It encourages us to keep going, to endure. That's just what you were talking yeah, about, Gary. Yeah. That's, that's what right. keeps us going.
1: It does. You know? Yeah.
0: You know God is big on this idea of remembering and teaching our children. And unfortunately in the church we've largely failed to remember this critical story of Passover. Instead we've replaced it with a story about bunnies and mm. eggs all based on pagan oh, worship. Absolutely. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, nothing to do with anything that God has told us to do. We we, we, we I guess we thought we got it. We got something better
1: oh gosh you know you know that i just dawned on me when you, when you were saying that i wrote in the foreword of your book about the idea that one of the witnesses changed the changed their story the christian church who is doing these things uh, is changing the story and that's why you know it, it's a false witness uh, i remember purging you know egg, egg hunts uh when when i was when i became pastor it was like get rid of were we're, we're teaching one thing uh, you know in, in from the pulpit and then we have our kids going and searching for confusion them. no way we've got to be consistent and i believe that the timing of this we we talked a moment ago about jeremiah 16 and and i and i shared how that is today. Jeremiah very clearly establishes that this prophecy's timeline would be something you know we're witnessing in fact, the fact that the Jewish people are going home to Israel. so it establishes it as our time uh, the time we're living in. So when we get to verse 19, we should be able to believe and understand the context is in our day. It says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthless and unprofitable things. Well, yeah, Easter eggs are worthless and unprofitable things. This idea of replacement theology, or or these pagan festivals, not keeping the feast of the Lord—that's all worthless and unprofitable. Torah and is only,
0: obsolete.
1: Yeah, all that's worthless and unprofitable. And the only way we get back to God, you know, doing what God has shared for us to do is to get back to the Torah get back to the feast start doing the things that he instructed us to do throughout all the generations until his son returns
0: not a better example of worthless and unprofitable thing than I think the, the Easter bunny and the, exactly. and the eggs not a better example yeah. of it
1: yeah. what are we teaching our what, what are the
0: churches doing that is a confusion, mes- mm. confusing message and uh, God is not the author of confusion no uh, that's just that's mm. Mm. you know I've been teaching, as you have, the feast for many, many, many years. And there's a, there's a verse in uh, the, uh, by the prophet Zephaniah. And he was looking into the future, as they all did. Mm. And once again, it was in the context of the people coming back to the land. And he said, I will gather those who grieve over the appointed assembly or mm. assemblies. The word here is moed the word Moedim, he's talking here. And most of your Bible verses will actually uh, 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 say that that is the festivals. It Mm -hmm. just says it right there in in the Bible verses. I will gather those who grieve over these festivals. You know, you only grieve over something that you've lost. Right. You know,
1: and you realize that you've lost it.
0: And you realize you lost it because I, I had one time, I remember specifically, but it's actually happened at different levels. I had a woman come up to me after I was teaching about these and she literally had tears in her eyes mm. and she said, why, why don't I know these things? Right. Okay. She'd been a Christian for a number of years. Why didn't the church teach me this? And my answer to her was because it wasn't the right time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. It's sad, but it's it's been available. The information's right here. We're reading the same word that we have for the you know, for thousands of years. But it there now was a now's the time. Yeah, now and now's the, now the time as Jeremiah predicted.
0: As he predicted, and as the Apostle Peter said in Acts three twenty one, Yeshua must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. This, as foretold by the ancient prophets, this restoration includes, okay, the reestablishment of Israel, mm-hmm. the return of the Jewish people, and the return of God's people to obedience to his Torah, which includes the celebration of God's Moedim, his holy okay. days. This is part of the great restoration. This is happening now. Yes, it is. Okay. It wasn't happening 50 plus years ago, 100 years ago. So I'm not going to blame anybody, okay, because it just wasn't time. Mm. Now is the time. The restoration is happening right now. So I'm going to encourage our audience, you know, if you haven't been obedient Uh, To these things that we're talking about to the celebration of God's holidays to the keeping of the Sabbath and so forth Now is the time to examine your heart now is the time to repent to turn back to the narrow path The path that leads to life. There's always I've said before you life and death choose life and Rejoice that you've been selected to be alive during God's great restoration that you're here on earth for such a time as this. This is a powerful, big thing happening now. And each one of you in our audience is alive now and you're here on purpose now. So we encourage you, if you haven't begun to do so already, find a group of people who are celebrating Passover and join them. If you can't find a group, Create your own. Invite somebody over, okay? Mm. Um, Gary and I'd be happy to give you assistance in any way. You can contact us at Torah Talk Podcast at gmail.com. You can get my book, Declaring the End from the Beginning, which is available on our website, TorahTalk21.com. And you can give, I've got ideas about how to celebrate and and what it means and how to talk to other people about it. And and I want to say, As we enter God's holiday season, we pray that it will be filled with joy and with revelation. We'll end with the typical Jewish greeting during the holiday season. Hagsamaic. Happy Holidays.
3: Samaic. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.